Get your foursome together today and sign up for the Dyslexia Center of Utah Charity Golf Tournament. Join the fun May 13th, Cedar Hills Golf Course. 100% of the proceeds go to the Dyslexia Center Scholarship Fund. Space is limited. Find out more at dyslexiacenterofutah.org. We're getting a lot of feedback on Bogey. Is he the best jazz role player ever? Coming off that 48-point performance that was so impressive Friday night as the Jazz beat the Nuggets. Game that had a playoff vibe to it. BYU says, I thought of Jeff Hornacek, but in my mind, he's more on the star side than role player. He was part of the Jazz Big Three back in the day. Yes, he was. Derek says, don't ever disrespect Joe Ingles like that. And Knight, who says Niang, says, Joe Ingles exists. He does. <laughs> Joe exists. Confirmation. Yeah. It's offense, PK. It's points. Joe can throw all the pretty lob passes in the world, but points always get more hype than assists. Well, I think Joe himself would have had a heart attack if he scored 48 points. That is so <laughs> without his, beyond his DNA. That's a good question. We got to remember for we got to remember that for him at the end of the week. Would you have a heart attack if you scored forty eight? <laughs> I think he would. I mean, he's just not in his DNA, and that's especially now with the other guys out. It's not like shooting is an afterthought, but when you're running the offense for a pass first guy, it's amplified even more right now because he's literally the, really their only guy to to run the offense to the level that they need. The other two guys are out, so scoring for him, I and mean, you got to score for sure, and he can score, and he has scored. But shooting is not, I don't even know that it's really on his mindset right now with all the responsibilities that he has to make sure everybody else is involved. Uh, and, it, and he's not a decoy. But Bogdanovich has really elevated his game just these last few weeks, and it's really, it's not startling. But it's somewhat surprising, particularly on the drives, because we saw him when he wasn't hitting go with the drive stuff more, and now he's hitting from the outside. So offensively, he's become, from the winter to now, the complete package. And that's really, really impressive to see. And it bodes well for this team. That goes back to what I said the other day. My mindset is that I've never been more confident in this team this season than right now with the caveat that the other two guys come back. And we asked Joe last week, what's your concern about them uh, reincorporating into the lineup? And he said, zero. Well, that'll be impressive because there are plenty of examples where guys have struggled to reincorporate um or struggle to find their role as they've come back. It's not necessarily the guys coming back. It's, you know, other guys adjusting to their roles and combining with them and, and playing off them. You know, I've used the example a couple times with Magic and with Michael Jordan. I mean, they were at the height of their powers, but they didn't play all the games and their teams didn't win the title. And they were literally winning the title the next year. Magic won it the year before and the year after, you know? So if it's, if it's hard for those players and those guys, then it, you just can't dismiss it out of hand in my mind and it doesn't mean that you're doomed and especially this year because so many of the best teams are having to do the same exact thing at the same time it's just more like it's one more hurdle that has to be cleared 
You know, and it goes back to but, your point that you were making earlier. Well, of course, there's hurdles. If it were easy to win a title, everybody would do it. It's hard. And so you got to be mentally tough and stuff's going to go wrong. And you just got to suck it up and fix it on the fly and bounce back from your bad quarter, your bad game or whatever. Because if it gets in your head, four games, you'll be done in a hurry. There's plenty of good teams to take you out. No, I don't remember when those two ultimate superstars were out and what the circumstances were. But Conley's been doing this for a good while. Because if you're expecting Conley to be Mr. Durable, well, it's not going to happen. He hasn't been that, and he's not going to start being that. So he's a secondary guy, even though he has, he's had a good season and all. Uh, Mitchell, he's a primary guy. But those two guys that you bring up with the, the two MJs, you know, how long were they out? I, I, don't, I can't remember. I don't I've, I've looked I it up. Look. I can tell you. I remember now because I've looked it up. Jordan missed most of the season. He played 17 regular season games. So you, if you want to argue, well, that's a different deal. Now, they got pretty good in those 17 games. All of us who were watching at the time are like, bleeping, Jordan's going to do this? This is crazy. And then he didn't. You know, they won the first series and lost the second to Orlando. And with Magic... Um, he had arthroscopic knee surgery in the middle of the year, and he played 39 games. So he played almost half the season. And they lost in a best two out of three when they did those mini-series things. So you could argue that that is freakier than a seven-game series, and maybe if he'd had seven games, he would have pulled it off. You know? So there are some stuff that make the comparisons you know, a, little, uh, a little weird. Kind of, they're, they're not a perfect match. Yeah, I'm not worried about it unless I see differently, and then obviously if I see differently, I will be worried about it. <laughs> well, but, I do <laughs> think, though, that a little bit of it is going to come down to that the team that loses, that's the card that's going to get played, whether by them or their local media or the national media. It's going to be, well, those guys. But I think the Clippers and the Lakers and the Jazz, to one degree or another, have similar issues here. You know, Kawhi Leonard's missed a lot of time. LeBron, and now AD's been back for a little while. LeBron, though, has missed a lot of time. It looks like the Jazz guys are going to miss a lot of time right up to the end of the season. So you got three teams that are all dealing with the same deal, you know, and the Nuggets have a different deal because their guy's out and he's gone with Jamal Murray. Uh, and the Suns have been just healthier than the other four. But one of those teams is coming out of the West. Yeah, but I don't think missing 15 games. Is that big of a deal? And it's in my mind, certainly different. You're going to miss a few games anyway. Yeah, it's just that it's right at the end, and they've been all in a row. And I, I think you can argue that what with Conley, he's been in and out and missed back to backs, you know, precautionary and all that, so often that that might be easier. I think the right, more the question is, Donovan's thinking, well, should I just give it to Bogey and get out of the way because he's got it going? And Bogey's thinking, no, I got to defer to Donovan, so now he's not as aggressive as he was. No. That's more the kind of thing that I think could hang a team up a little bit. It could, but this the, the way these guys play, it's not that one dude, it's not Damian Lillard to where I'm carrying you yep. almost game after game, and if we're going to win, it's going to be because I've carried everybody. And, and Mitchell can do that a little bit when it gets tight, but uh, that's right at the end. So you've got the whole free flow of the game going yep. forward for everyone to be in the mix, and you should be able to beat anybody in the first round if you're the number one seed. That's another good point. Statistics are overwhelming in your favor. So even though it's at the end of the season, they still have played a ton of games together to where 
they should be able if as long as you got your health if there's a health issue it's another story but if you got your health they should be able to get in there and do what they do and if they've got a couple of issues well they've got a whole week to iron it out before they get there and i don't really see it as issues because i think mitchell's just looking to win at this point man and so if bogdanovich is hot and he continues this pace uh, so be it, man. Who cares who's doing what? As long as you got one more point than the other guy at the end of the game, that's all that matters. So I'm not expecting it to be a big issue. If these guys are healthy, the health is more of an issue rather than the guys being able to play together because they've been doing it for a while. And they got a bunch of veteran guys. I mean, it's one after another right down the list. They're all veteran guys. Even Niang has been in the league for a while, and he's the last guy off the bench when everyone's right. And so he's a veteran, and he knows his role. So they've they've delineated everything so well that I could be wrong, obviously. It won't be the last time, but I don't think that it's going to be a big deal, and I think that they've got the first-round series to what? iron it out. Although I don't think the first-round series is just going to be a walk in the park either. I think the way the Jazz run their offense and the message Quinn has been harping on can help um, at least minimize the situation I was talking about with guys feeling like they need to defer to each other. This is a team that at times we've seen them overpass, you know. And the, but Quinn is really going to be harping on if the shot is there, take it. Don't overthink it. If it's an open shot, take it. You know, passing he's been he's been harping on all the year. Beating, you know, do you pass up a good shot trying to get a great one? And maybe that was something they were trying to do three or four years ago, or it was more okay. It doesn't feel like it's okay now. We've heard too much from Joe when he comes on our show, other players in their post game zooms, and from Quinn. When the shot's there, take it. Take it. And so that does eliminate some of the doubt. That maybe you get in an old school offense in the 90s. Do I get the ball to our star or should I take it? Do I have the better matchup? And none of that matters now. If you're open, take the shot because you're probably not going to be that open again before the 24 second clock runs out. And he's been hammering that. Yeah, if they don't take the shot, they don't win. The two things <laughs> you got to take the shot, you got to make the shot. I mean, that has to happen for this team to win, it must be done. And if it's not, if you are not taking the shot, your team isn't going to win. So they've got the formula to win. You don't go through all these games and then get to the postseason and think, oh, what do we do now? Especially with the number one seed, I don't think you do. I think you do what you do, and that's how you got there. So you continue to do it and go about the way you – we all know how they win games. We've been watching them, and our listeners have been watching them now – all season, it's what we do. They play, we watch. It's a very simple, basic formula. They play tonight, we watch. And most of our listeners, they watch because if they're not watching, they're probably not listening. So it's all that stuff. And it's the same thing here with these players. If you're open and not shooting, well, you're not helping the team. There's also the chance to refine things in the first round. And your point about the first round isn't going to be easy. Uh, you know, it's hard to know that for sure because right now, mathematically, I think there's five teams the Jazz could face. Realistically, I think it's down to a couple teams they're likely to face. I think it's probably going to be the team they play tonight, the Warriors. Or, or Memphis. Or the Memphis Grizzlies. Yep, those are the two I'd and go Memphis to. Memphis got Jackson back now. 
And I think he just went the last box score I looked at. He went for 20 and 10. You know, we were talking earlier, and I couldn't remember. I felt like that, but I just couldn't put my finger on it. There was another eight that beat a one, and it was Memphis. Mike Conley would have been in the middle of it. In 2011, Memphis took down San Antonio in six. And San Antonio was the one seed, and they went to the finals the next two years, won at once, and lost to the Heat when uh, Ray Allen hit that three off an offensive rebound. So the Spurs were in a really good spot, but the Grizzlies beat them as an eight seed. So, so there is a third example out there. Yeah, did they have injuries though? Or was I don't, I don't remember that. You know, I don't remember that much about the series. Honestly, I couldn't even remember that it happened. I had this sense there's another one out there, and I couldn't recall it. So I looked it up in a break. Uh, and sure enough, there it was. Well, so I don't know, we'll maybe, you know, Kawhi Leonard, you know, Kawhi Leonard was a big part of them in, of, in what they did in 2012 and 13. Wouldn't 11 have been his rookie year, though? I don't know, but then, yeah. I mean, what does that have to do with now? Yeah. Uh, I think that it's uh, Memphis is a good team. They're, they're, they're a pretty good team, and they play the majority of the season without Jackson. So uh, he's back. So and Curry is on an unbelievable run. He's a fun player to watch, and uh, they. You talk about a team. I don't buy that. All these teams, these losing teams, can come out and be loose and free and all this. I, to an extent, I don't really buy that because I think guys are they're competitive and plus they're fighting for spots in the league. But I do think the Warriors in this situation is one example of a team that could be loose and free and easy. And because of the Curry, if if Curry went out in the first round, say he plays another five years, if he went out in the first round the next five years, so what? I mean, it already would be a Hall of Famer who's won multiple titles and MVPs and blah, blah, blah. Changed so he's already accomplished far more than, than expected. Uh, so the, he concerns me for sure. And really anybody who they get. And I guess if it would be the Spurs, because if I'm fresh in my mind of the Spurs getting run off the floor last week, so, but I don't see the Spurs doing winning it. Two, yeah, I don't see them winning two and getting it. Right. I see one of two teams doing that and uh, go from there. And the Jazz are going to have to be on their game, which to me, uh, I'm fine with that, man. Height and the focus right off the bat, and make sure you're ready to go immediately, rather than taking your time and easing into it. This is the playoffs aren't regular season games. You don't really ease into anything. You got to be ready to go right from the moment and uh, be fired up and do what you do and have laser focus and all that stuff. And so good. If it means a tougher first-round opponent, so be it. If you're good enough, you'll win. All right, coming up, we're going to talk with uh, Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider. He's going to join us next. Tim Roy, play-by-play voice of the Golden State Warriors at 930. But Steve Cleveland coming up next. The transfer, well, well, basically we'll talk NBA playoffs and jazz and all that with him. But uh, the transfer portal keeps uh, keeps warring, PK. Were you surprised that Pella Larson went to Arizona? We can talk to Steve about that a little bit. Um, yes, but I hate to say a phrase that I don't like, but yes and no. Ah, why no? Because really what surprises you? <laughs> well, I did think you you were talking because the Gonzaga assistant, right, goes to Arizona and Boyd, wasn't he yeah. the yeah, and he's the guy who's a link to foreign guys. Mm-hmm. So if somehow they have some link, then maybe he went out and just tried to create it and create a relationship quickly and get him there in a couple of days. But I also and I don't know the backstory at all. Um but it wouldn't shock me if there was some link and that helped get him and he already had something in place, some relationship that helped get him. So, 
I guess from that regard, because you had just been talking up last week that he had the, you know, he had the good links internationally. I thought, well, I oh, big time, that, yeah. yeah, and I maybe wondered, that's it. I don't know. And maybe I wondered that, if that paid off. Uh, maybe it did, but it looks like if Craig Smith gets this team to the tournament next season, then build a statue and give him a lifetime contract. <laughs> uh, because I mean, they've got just about everybody's left, and Jones supposed to go to Utah <clears throat> State, and uh, the everyone's uh, Carlson is retaining, and I'm sure there's other guys that. Uh, I'm not thinking of right now. Yeah, but I think it's five guys, including the the two leading scorers. The guy yeah. until he was hurt was the, the starting point guard. The guts a, of the team, a is freshman gone. who looked like he had you know major upside, which of course is why Arizona would want him because I think he has major upside. Um, and there's somebody else I'm forgetting right now. I shouldn't be doing Martinez. That, you're talking about yes, yeah, Ian Martinez. There's another freshman with upside, right? Yeah, yeah. Martinez and Larson, two young guys who have upside. Uh, For sure, Ryland Jones played a couple of years and was a starting point guard, and then, and then the other two guys were the leading scorers in Allen and Plummer. So that's that's a lot of. It's not gutted as thoroughly as Larry Kristoviak's first team was, but it's pretty pretty well gutted, you know. But it's also the way things work now. It's just with the transfer portal and you know their players are coming for relationships with coaches, and if coaches change, this is going to happen. Oh, yeah, right. So that's what I'm saying. That's why it surprises me, but yet it doesn't surprise me because this is this is the new world. College basketball has just been turned upside down. I mean, it's uh, uh, football we see it, but not to the extent. The percentages are just incredible. Guy, rosters, you're getting eight, nine guys are coming in that weren't on the team last year and probably only going to be there for a season the following year. So you're once you're going down that road, you're going to do it again. Yeah. It used to just be, well, they went to the league. Now, no, now they're all over the place. If you win, people will come. But I think for a lot of teams, because everybody can't go to the tournament, every team can't exceed expectations, winning is defined as exceeding the expectations. Exceeding the expectations is what excites the fan base. You know, and in the big best and the big sky and the whack, you're trying to get to the tournament. You know, but in other places, you're trying to get to the Sweet 16, the Elite Eight, the Final Four. So if you exceed your expectations, you fill the place. But as an industry... Everyone obviously can't do that, and to have no tie to these guys and not know who they are, uh, I think that's really bad when you're trying to attract fans and get them to spend their time, and they don't know, they don't know who these guys are. They're more sequestered than ever. You know, the idea of young beat writer PK writing profile pieces and kind of getting people to help know these guys' backstories so that they know them and they root for them. I mean, that's not happening on a Zoom call. You're not getting that level of depth. So it, it just seems like everything's kind of... Trending in the wrong direction for college basketball. Maybe I'm too negative about it, but that's what it feels like right now to me. Okay. All right, when we come back, Steve Cleveland, basketball insider. We'll run this by him next. Stay with us. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. The great Craig Bullerjack. The big question is how do you reintroduce Conley, who I think has been through this before, but Donovan hasn't. Donovan's never missed this much time, so hopefully he and Quinn have had conversations about being brought back in and trying not to overdo it and just fit back in and do his thing. So that's probably the next challenge ahead for the Jazz, is that you think, okay, great, you've had a lot of depth. Get out on the floor. Trent Force has wowed the crowd a bit. You know, Clarkson, 
bogey. You got to give credit to Joe, just kind of running the show at the point. And now, and as you close in, hopefully, we get another update on Donovan and Mike as well, and we'll get a better feel for where they are as they try to maybe play the final two games of the regular season, if not before. We'll see. Hanson Scotting, weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ PK in the morning is brought to you by Mark Miller Subaru. Time to welcome in Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider. Steve, good morning. Good morning, guys. Steve, right away, Jazz Nation, they hate to do this. Makes them feel dirty. Makes them throw up in their mouth a little bit. But they did it. They rooted for your Lakers to beat the Suns, and your Lakers came through. And now the Jazz have a two-game lead. I assume you are now 100% confident that the Jazz will be the one seed in the playoffs, thanks to the purple and gold. <laughs> hey, listen, man, I celebrate the Jazz from my heart as well. And I'm uh, amazing. 50 games, and obviously, I don't know, Donovan Mitchell's been out seven, eight games or so, but they've just never missed a step. So congratulations to them. I can't see them not being the number one seed. And um, they just had a terrific year. So when you were coaching and it came time for a conference tournament, how much did you worry about, oh, we got to play this team or that team, as opposed to just worrying about yourself? Because we talk to Jazz fans every day, and they're you know concerned about, oh, we don't want the Lakers in our bracket. We don't want the Clippers in our bracket. Well, you got to play somebody at some point anyway. So what's the level of concern there? You know, I don't, I don't think that you sit there and, and, and really give a lot of thought to it because you're just trying to get your team ready to play the best basketball they can play, no matter who you play. Um, but, yeah, I, I think it, would be, it wouldn't be honest to say, hey, you know, if uh, back in the day we, you know, we had a chance to play uh, Wyoming instead of, you know, Utah or San Diego State or whatever. I mean, you do think about those things. You think about matchups, but you don't spend a lot of time on it until you find out who your opponent is. And I think that with Utah, uh, they played everybody, you know, two or three times, and they have a pretty good sense in the feel of who they are. I think they're more, a lot more interested in making sure they're healthy. And I think the playoffs are also times where you, you tweak some things. Not that you're going to change your offense or do things, but it, it is a good time to put in new out-of-bounds plays, new quick hitters, new specials, things that they have not even used. That's what you do to prepare and get your guys ready. And, uh, and, and down the road, I mean, I, I, you go from one round to the next, you're, you're making changes, you're, you're tweaking little things that might give you an advantage, a bucket after, uh, uh, you, know, a free, or, you know, after a foul situation, sideline out-of-bounds play, or whatever it might be. Uh, you, those are the things as a coaching staff, you're always thinking about what we can do to, to, to be a little more effective. The Jazz are so unselfish and move the ball better than anybody in the league that they've got a, they've got a group of guys that have such high IQs on the floor offensively that they seldom take bad shots. And uh, unless it's the shot clock runs down and that no one was open and they have to take a late one. And I think that's one of the really um, special things about this team is, is the chemistry and uh, the unselfishness, the movement of the ball, one more pass, another pass. And it's, it's what's uh, it's really, really uh, made this a special year because of what those things. And it's not to say that they're not defending because they're doing that as well, but I, I've really been impressed with what's happened since Mitchell has been out, I mean, everybody has stepped up. And uh, no more than Bogdanovich, who the last three or four games has just been unbelievably 
shooting the ball in a way that I've never seen him shoot it for. And so I think I think everything's rolling. It'll be you know there'll probably be a little bit of an adjustment when Donovan Mitchell comes back. It won't take long, and they'll just plug him in. He's another guy, and obviously a guy that averages 26 points per game. But this team has been really resilient with Mitchell being out. So I think that when he comes back, when Conley comes back, everything pretty, everyone kind of slides back into their roles. And I don't have a lot of worries about that. I think the one thing, and, and Joe and Mike have both talked about this, when they're on the floor together, Conley may go to the corner and be decoy guy a little more and let Joe initiate some pick and rolls, keeping him involved. Uh, so I, I think some of that could happen. But I look at the Lakers, and I it's got to be risky as a coach to change guys' roles at this point in the season, but I'm wondering if what they're seeing, you know, does Caruso just have to have a bigger role? And how are they going to sort out which big guys play when and which big guys do they want to play together? It doesn't look that clear to me. And maybe it's because I watch more of the Jazz than I watch the Lakers, so it may just be my perspective. But it seems to me like there's some tempting stuff for the Lakers to do, and yet it may be too late. It may not be a good idea. What do you think? I, I think, and, and part of me says it's too late. That you get, but that, that being said, then there's a fan in me that says that they've played such ugly basketball for a while here, and uh, even even with uh, getting AD back, and it, it, everything's just been so static. And uh, I, I think that they they do certainly, and, and I think they have an idea what the combinations are going to be. I mean, getting LeBron on the floor mm-hmm. healthy. And AD, after a big night last night, getting some confidence back, it's still going to be a team people don't want to play. But I think they are fair. I mean, you've got Schroeder, who's still out for another 10 days, I don't know, 7, 8, 10 days uh, with protocol issues. And there's your point guard. You know, it's not like Caruso can't do it, because last year in the playoffs, Caruso had some really, really special moments. I mean, he played a huge role in that team. He's I think he's about 6'5". He's strong. He, he's got a pretty high IQ. He doesn't try to do too much. He knows where the ball needs to get. So I, I think having Crusoe and getting him minutes is probably a good thing. A shooter will be back. It gives him a little bit more depth. I think the positive for the Lakers is that there's probably going to be a feeling after last night's game and maybe even their play in the last day or two or three that uh, we, we can do this. Now, at the, the end of the day, they still have to do it. And the thing that scares me about the Lakers is I, I believe that they can. I think Bogle's a good defensive coach. I think they can get back to guarding, and once they get LeBron on the floor, they're going to be much better defensively. Uh, because he, you know, he is going to be even though he's been hurt, he's going to be rested, and he'll have the energy to defend and when he needs to. But I, I just think it, it's a it's a team that there's still a lot of question marks about. But that being said, if I'm the Jazz or the Suns, and one of those two teams is going to end up playing them, um, yeah, you know, you'd ra- you'd rather start with maybe someone else <laughs> because. This I do know. I mean, LeBron, if he's healthy and he can play, he, he is a leader on that floor. And uh, he has the capability of taking games over. And AD gets his con- – I, I thought Anthony Davis really, really struggled for a long time. And I, I saw the highlights of last night's game, and obviously he kind of went off. But if the two of them are clicking, I, I'm, I'm not a big fan about AD playing a lot on the perimeter. Uh, I, I just think the, the Lakers are better – Like. Having Gasol in the game, uh, I know he's got his deficiencies. I actually like him in the game because he stretches teams defensively, can put AD down, and, and, and you can now you can, you can have AD pop out or play inside. 
uh, I just think sometimes he tends to settle for jumpers. And I mind you, they, they were going in last night, but he settles for jumpers sometimes when he could be in banging and getting some fouls and getting to the free throw line. So I like a combination. I mean, I, I, Gasol did not, not really play well at all during most of the season, but when he played against the Clippers, he, he gives you something. If he's knocking the three ball down, that's spacing that the Lakers don't have great spacing. They kind of stand and don't move without the ball. With Gasol, he can pick and pop. And uh, I just like AD having some minutes down low. I, I just think they're better. They're better when he can get down there and get, get fouls and get free throws and then step out and, and uh, hit, hit the three ball and step out and hit that mid-range jumper, which he loves at the elbow. So you referenced Bogdanovich tear, and obviously with the 48 points really exemplified it, but he's been doing it now for a number of games. He's really filled the void with Mitchell being out, and he talked about earlier in the season he wasn't hitting his shots, so he put the ball on the floor, went to the basket. Now he's got both aspects working. And so I'm wondering with Mitchell and Conley when they do come back, if you're Quinn Snyder, what is your message to Bogdanovich to make sure he stays where he's at? Well, I think, first of all, he doesn't need to change anything about his game. And they would, I mean, sometimes people, and I've been guilty of this, sometimes we tend to overcoach. You get in situations, it's postseason, it's a big weekend. And, you know, I mean, you can do that. And all of a sudden, the things that have been really working for you, because you add bodies to the team and you have a different lineup, uh, you, you do things a little bit differently. I, I just don't think they do anything differently. And the, Bogdanovich, and, and Mitchell is another creator. He's a guy that can find guys. Bogdanovich, it, you, you mentioned it. I mean, he's been, has the ability to put the thing on the ball. He's playing with so much confidence. Um, I, don't, I don't think they have to rely on Donovan Mitchell like they may have thought they had to. I don't think it has to be the mindset. He'll come back. It'll take him a little bit of time to get his legs under him and, and get back. But they, I don't think they change anything about what they're doing. I mean, Bogdanovich is playing with so much confidence. Nang, is it, how, how does he spell his name? Is it Nang? Yeah, George Nang. Yeah, There's I, an S on the yeah. end of George that's silent. Yeah, he, he has, I mean, he's another guy that uh, has really stepped up in, in Donovan Mitchell's absence. So the team has actually, I think, got, I mean, it may seem silly, but they've actually gotten better through, through the, the, the attrition of losing Conley at times and Donovan Mitchell. It's what it's done is instilled confidence and uh, let guys know that, that they, hey, you know what, we want, certainly want those guys healthy and playing, but we can do this with or without them. I and mean, that's kind of the mindset that a Joe Ingles has. I mean, you watch him play, you know, and I, and I love him actually uh, at the top of the key with the ball because he's got size. He's just got a bright mind. He sees the floor. And, and I know that role it might be for Con- You know, you mentioned Conley maybe going down in the corners. But even when Donovan Mitchell, I like it when Joe Engel has the ball in his hands. He makes good decisions. He can see over defenses. And, uh, and you can't get two or three steps off him because he, he's just shooting the ball well. So uh, I, I like those moments when, when Joe's up top. He, he makes things happen. Steve Cleveland joining us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. So the team that's getting overlooked as we talk Jazz and Lakers is the Clippers, and they've gone through a rough stretch here, losing, uh, what, four out of six or five out of seven, whatever it is. Uh, Kawhi Leonard out, then back in. Doesn't seem like a spark. Maybe they're struggling to reintegrate him, and it'll be fine. Uh, Are we overlooking them? Should we be overlooking them? What do you think? 
I, I you know, I, I, I would, I mean, the, the fan base may be uh, upset and disappointed with what's happening. Uh, I think that they need, they too need to get healthy. I, I, I don't know what the word is on Ibaka, but Ibaka's on the floor. Serge Ibaka can, can do things that this team needs that they can stretch and open the floor because he has the ability to knock threes down. I just don't know about his whereabouts or if he's even coming back at all. But uh, they have been plagued by some injuries. I've watched them play a couple of times recently. And, uh, you know, I, I think that Rondo is a good addition for him. I think he, you know, he brings something to the table that, with that experience and so forth. But, but you're right. I, I don't think their bench is great. And uh, Paul's been playing pretty well. Uh, but they need – they need a healthy, they need a healthy team, and they they've kind of suffered with injuries. So uh, I, I don't think that right now where they're at is where they want to be. But you, I would never uh, discount that team. I mean, I just think on any given night they're capable of doing things. But uh, they, they just had a hard time finding an identity. You know, every and when everything is initiated from the perimeter on the wings and so forth, you, you know, there's never really been a, any kind of inside presence established in that game. Rondo has helped with decision-making. Patrick Beverly is back, but I, don't, I mean, I, I think Patrick Beverly does bring some really good things to that team in terms of energy and, and defending and so forth, but, he, but he's, not, he's not a great offensive player, and he doesn't, he, he's not, he doesn't have that mindset of a point guard like Rondo plays. And so I think that, uh, uh, you know, they've struggled because of it. And, uh, but I, I still, that's another team I wouldn't want to necessarily play just because you know what their their upside is, and uh, it's just the fact that both both Paul, I mean, neither one of the, the you know the key players have played well together at the same time a lot of times, and, and a lot of it has to do with injuries. But uh, I, the Clippers are still capable, and uh, Utah and Phoenix are going to end up playing somebody pretty good at some point in time, and uh, I think probably well Utah is going to win the division, so they're not going to. I don't think that they would play the Lakers if they win their first game in that playing game, let's say that happens, they go into playing, they're going to end up playing, they're going to end up being the seventh seed, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, so they'll play Phoenix. And mm-hmm. I, I don't think they're going to be afraid of Phoenix and where, where they just beat them without LeBron. So uh, that's, that's the difficult matchup for Phoenix. But at some point in time, I'm, I am uh, hopeful that the Lakers can put it together and, and be competitive again and get it done. But I, I won't be surprised and I won't be that disappointed I am. Uh, I, I just love that we've got new people and new teams, and the East is the same way. I mean, I, I, I like the fact that Philadelphia seems to be playing better, and that Brooklyn with you know so many guys in and out of the lineup they are obviously talented. I don't know that there's many people other than that live in Brooklyn are going to be pulling for them. <laughs> but uh, the, the top three in the East, uh, Philadelphia, Brooklyn, Milwaukee, uh, are all teams that are better. And I mean, if Brooklyn gets everybody back, they're obviously going to be amazing but i like the way philadelphia has been playing uh, even though simmons isn't shooting the ball from the perimeter uh they're they're going to be a tough out defensively they're much better this year and i think there's not nearly as much pressure on milwaukee as there has been in the past and they haven't handled that well so i i think the east is going to be a little better than people think and uh, it's going to be an exciting nba playoffs so you already referenced Phoenix losing to the Lakers and all talking about how there's a very good possibility that they could play in the first round. How much do you buy that messages are sent in the regular season? Because the Lakers, a watered-down version of the Lakers, although Anthony Davis was at his best, beat the Suns. So my point being, 
Should the Suns be all that in a nervous panic? Oh, my gosh. We might have to play the Lakers in the first round. Do you buy that there's a statement made in the first uh, in the regular season? Not with Chris Paul leading that team. I don't think he's. that's not going to be allowed. That won't be those conversations. I mean, they'll have, obviously, respect. They know what they're up against. Um, I just think that a, a, a healthy LeBron and a healthy AD, that's more than that team can deal with inside and outside. And, I, and I, even though the Phoenix would have a you know the home court advantage, um, I, I do believe that if LeBron comes back and he's any semblance of himself, that that's a series that LA certainly feels they can win and, and probably will win. Um, but I don't think that's going to be Phoenix' mindset. I mean, they they've had such a great year, and to have the kind of leadership that they have, not you know with with the coaching staff and especially with Chris Paul. Um, I, I don't. I don't think. I mean, I guess those thoughts can creep into your mind, and you wonder, hey, last time we played him, but you know what? They'll be ready. They're not going to be surprised, and uh, they have a body of work. And, and a lot of the experts believe that Phoenix healthy and and uh, is it, you know most of the guys are picking Phoenix to beat LA because LA has been so up and down. I understand that, but uh, there is something to be said about the Lakers, the history, and. Uh, despite the fact that they have had no chemistry on the floor and just literally ball movement was just static and um, guys taking quick shots and, and so forth. Vogel, uh, one thing that he did a good job of last year is he really put a good defensive game plan together for every game they played, and I expect the same thing. But, uh, yeah, I mean, if, if, if the Lakers are healthy, I think they beat Phoenix. It may, and it may be it may take seven games to do it because they don't have home court advantage. But I do not believe Phoenix doesn't believe they can't win. I mean, Chris Paul is just such a competitor and has had a huge influence on that team. Besides the fact that Booker's really special, and I mean they they're having a great year and they have a lot of confidence. And you know I, I listen to a little bit of NBA Serious Radio, and and uh, most of the experts there feel like Phoenix has the ability to, to, to win that series, even if LeBron comes back. But I don't know. I, I, I just I got to believe that the Lake, if LeBron's healthy, L.A. wins that series. Steve, as always, we appreciate it. When we talk to you again next week, it'll, well, it won't hey. all be set because we'll have the play-in series right in front of us, but the top six yep. will be set, and we'll know that. We'll talk to you then, and uh, have a good week. Hey, thanks, guys. Take care. Bye-bye. Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider, the former BYU coach. Tim Roy, play-by-play voice of the Golden State Warriors, is coming up at 9.30. Jazz and the Warriors tonight, right here on 97.5. 1280 The Zone will have the Bees tonight. It's Jazz and Warriors. We'll talk with Tim Roy at 9.30. Stay with us. And now, your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealer's strong play of the weekend. Clarkson to the front court. Compasso back. Clarkson, underhand scoop. Boyan, right side three. Oh, my goodness gracious. Boyan Bogdanovich. Holy cow. You are something else tonight. 46 points. Eight three-pointers. He's elevating. He's levitating. He's absolutely fabulous. David Locke on the call with the Chevy Strong play of the game. Bogey going for 48 Friday night. That is his career high, and that is the Chevy Strong play of the game. Know it today at 450, and we'll hook you up with fabulous prizes. Dial into the big show. Bogey, blow your mind with that game, PK. Did you see 48 coming at any point? No. Oh, no, not at all. Yeah, I know. Me neither. 
Because we were talking about Joe Ingles, his his mind would be blown if he did it. And I'm like, well, I wonder if Bogies was blown. I mean, those are the kind of guys like you know they can get you 25 or 30. And so anybody who does that with a three point shot, really feeling it, if they, once you've done a 25 or 30 point game, then it seems like 35's in play, right? But to go to 48, and maybe even 40's in play, but to go to 48, it's a huge number. Yeah, I think 40 is in play with him though. But I, I wouldn't say jokes. I don't think he's going to shoot enough. I wouldn't but, think so either. But it, I think that the way he shoots the three, if he got it going one night and he hit 10 of them, there'd be a couple layups and there'd be a few free throws. I mean, I wouldn't bet on it, but I wouldn't think it's that outrageous once you've seen him do 25 or 30. And I get your point. He probably won't. You know, but Bogey probably wouldn't have done it if Conley and Mitchell were playing. He probably wouldn't have shot enough. So it might take some weird circumstances with guys missing games. But if you shoot the three that well, you can never say never. Yes, I agree with that. But Bogdanovich, if I'm comparing the two, and I don't know, yeah, how we no, Bogey's more but, likely to. He's more yeah. of a score. I mean, Bogey had that game. Remember that game last year when he had 35 and he had no rebounds and no assists, and they were giving a hard time about 35 million. And the next game, I forget what he had, but he had like I don't know four or five rebounds or whatever. And he made a point of saying, "I didn't have zero rebounds tonight," because he took grief from the coaches in the film session and from his teammates on the bus or the plane or whatever. Mm, he was laughing, but there was still a point to be made. And Joe wouldn't have that kind of line. Joe's more likely to be scoreless with five assists and three boards and a steal. Oh, yeah, if he does have that kind of line, they're, they're screwed. <laughs> <laughs> because he needs, to, he needs to have a fair amount of assists. He, that's just yeah. who he is. That's a, a part of his, uh, his brilliance, basically. Yeah. And, so he need to, and he is he's very, very good. There's no doubt about it. But Bogdanovich, it's, it's just awesome to see because he's at the top of his game right now and it's important it's important for the jazz it just makes them that much tougher and he probably doesn't need to be at the top of his game to the tune of 48 and he's probably not going to get that opportunity uh when the other two dudes come back but it's all about winning yep. uh, but it's good to know that he has the utmost confidence because that's what i want everybody to have whatever a skill level you have that's your skill level and you can get better because Joe's talked about that, how he's gotten better because of the uh, available opportunities there to practice and the individual coaching. But you're, So you can get better, but your skill level is going to be your skill level. But in order to get the maximum out of your ability, you've got to have the skill level combined with the confidence. And I think the confidence is just as important. You have to believe in yourself. And right now, as you watch Bogdanovich, you have to believe that when he takes the floor tonight in uh, the Bay Area in San Francisco, he's got a ton of confidence. So if he misses a couple shots, it's no big deal. Whereas if your confidence is struggling and you miss a couple shots, it is a big deal. And you don't want to have it to be a big deal. You want to believe that no matter what, you're going to shoot the ball and it's going to go in. And Clarkson, who doesn't come anywhere near shooting, making half of his shots – for some bizarre reason, which I love, he thinks everything's going to go in. And it doesn't matter the degree of difficulty. And that's just awesome. For some bizarre reason, which I love. 
but it's yeah. true. Yeah. Oh, it's a hundred percent true. No, you're gonna get zero tweets. You're gonna get zero open mics. Thing. No, I really think Jordan Clarkson lacks confidence. No, he doesn't. <laughs> he absolutely doesn't. The guy takes. Uh, he takes so many shots. I mean, for the minutes he plays, he just comes in and just cranks it up and doesn't think twice about it. And yeah, he's got the green light. I got to believe at times, even though he won't say it, at times the coaches and Quinn's got to tell him in timeouts, hey, guys are open, you got to move the ball. I think that third, Quinn once earlier this year was talking about it in a Zoom thing. He said, yeah, the third time he changes direction, maybe he needs to, he needs to look at giving it up. I do think that if he gives it up, He's got to know he can get the ball back on this team. This team's got a bunch of willing passers. I think Gobert's become a better passer over the course of this season. I see him throwing not just more passes, but more like interesting, devastating passes. He missed some shot. Magic Gobert? No, not not to that level. Dial it down. (laughs) (laughs) Dial dial it down there, Cowboy. But he got an offensive rebound, and before he would have absolutely put it back up, but there were two guys around him, and there wasn't much room, and he spun, and he found Niang for a wide-open three. And three-pointers of offensive rebounds are almost a cliche. So many coaches... You know, drill that, but hey, it's often there, and it was there, and he made the pass, and there's no way he would have made that pass two or three years ago, I don't think. I think that's something he's gotten a lot better at. All right. Yes, for sure. Yeah. DJ and PK, more of this coming up. We are closing in on the end of the regular season. Jazz have four games left. It ends Sunday in Sacramento. Uh, we got a time change on one Jazz game. We'll tell you about that coming up, and some of you will even find the reason acceptable. Uh, we'll get to that next. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.